Why Nickers? Bernard pulls the trigger. And this is a brand. Nickers is a brand. Allen Houston. Nickers means Lord. Once a neck, always a neck. What is going on, guys? You are listening to Nickish. You got your boys Mo Faiz and Dean here. The Knicks are eight and zero right now, and are killing it. And it's it's shocking to say, uh, but it's amazing when we have these moments where we where we can actually talk about the Knicks in in such positive ways. And we're excited to talk about it in this episode. Uh, make sure you check out our website, nick-ish.com. Cap, cop yourself some Nickish gear. We got hoodies and different colorways. We got some crew necks and some hats and some snapbacks. Uh, cop it today and wear it to your next Knicks game. Uh, we're about halfway into the season. Plenty of games to wear. Some Nickish gear, too. Now bringing in my guy, Faiz. What is going on, man? I mean, the most perfect January that a, a Knicks fan could ever ask for. It feels like we should have went 16-0 because, like, two of those games, um, I really feel like it could have went either way for us. But I'm not going to complain about a 14-2 month, and I'm not going to nitpick when the Knicks are on the longest winning active winning streak in the NBA and had the best January for in their entire franchise history. No, no complaints here. I'm, I'm doing great. Um, glad to have Dean with us. It's always nice to have Dean to talk about uh, the Knicks, especially when we haven't gotten together in a little bit. So um, what's up, Dean? How, how's everything with you? I think I'm uh, on cloud nine, like almost every Knicks fan is right now. It's it's really something else to watch these games where, like for most of the game, the Knicks have a 12, 14 plus point lead. It's very, uh, very relaxing compared to the Knicks experience that we've known for years. And I was telling you guys before we got started, but I was at the blowout of the Nuggets, and that was definitely the best the Knicks have ever played with me in attendance, blowing out the defending champs by 38. That was a lot of fun. OG with 26.6 steals, really signature performance. That is what's up, man. That's nice. That was a crazy game. Then we had the heat right after that. Um, Yeah, man, like you, you guys said, it. it's so hard to – have these moments and really encapsulate the kind of feeling you have as a Knicks fans. And we've, we've had these moments in years past, at least in the last couple of years since Leon Rose era began, but something is different about this, this team right here where you actually genuinely feel like they can beat any team that comes in. That's not a fluke that this is, this is for real. The, the, the players that we have, the squad that we put together, the the starters that we have and the superstar player in Jalen Brunson, one, a kind of guy, of course, this is, this is for real. And you know, the team that we have going forward, it's like, I feel like the sky's the limit right now. I don't want to get too far ahead, but it's hard not to feel that way. Yeah. I'm with Dean hundred percent. Like I, I, like you can feel the vibes and aura around the team and I'll, I'll talk a little bit about that, but um, it's just, you, you have to get in the garden right now. Like as a Knicks fan, if you're living in New York, like you just really want, and honestly, what am I saying? Living in New York, like if you're living in Charlotte, if you're living in different places where the Knicks are coming to play, like Knicks fans from everywhere are getting excited and you can see that the fan base is real riled up and they haven't felt this, this strong of an emotion in, in a little bit. I would say the fourth seed year was really close, but like 
you you can feel that this is much more for real. It's like it's like you're talking about the linear progression of the Knicks. Like uh, that 2012 season, everyone felt really good about it, but you that you had this this feeling at the pit of your stomach, like hey, this isn't gonna last forever. Or that fourth seed year, like you're looking around at the team and you're like, okay, this feels a little fluky. But now you're looking at it and you're like, yo, this team is like ready to make a run, and it's it's like it's it's coming to its apex really soon. So um, I, I totally get the feeling like you just really want to be in the garden right now. And I I got I was able to be at the game last night and like dean said like i've never watched a game that comfortably like we were down early and like the jazz like aren't aren't like a they aren't a horrible team like they're right about like hovering around 500 they have some good pieces like they could have easily came out and made a run but um the knicks were down at first and i'm just watching this game with my girlfriend and i'm just like no there's nothing to worry about like we're, we're, we're gonna be totally fine and even leaving the game early like she she said it. She was like, I really I was real surprised you were willing to leave. But I was like, Yeah, I mean, you want to beat traffic? Let's beat traffic. Like we're up like twenty something points. Like I don't need to see the rest of this. And it felt kind of gross as a Knicks fan to do it because I'm so used to like sadistically watching the end of every loss and getting my full money's worth from the Madison Square Garden experience, which by the way has been fantastic. Like being inside the in the garden, it, the, the feeling was restored. If everything felt great, but um. Yeah, it's just crazy to be a Nick fan that gets to feel all these feelings that normal NBA fans have probably been feeling for the last twenty years. Uh, I'm I'm well I'm new to this party. <laughs> it feels real weird. Yeah, and the Knicks at this point find themselves in third in the East, and it was not long ago at all where it seemed like the ceiling just because of the Bucks, Sixers, Celtics hold on those top three seeds felt like the ceiling was that fourth seed. And it feels like in the blink of an eye, um, the Knicks just surpassed fourth seed, got to th the third seed, and the second seed is totally within reach. The Knicks' next five or six games are all at home. I think it's the next five. Yesterday was the first of a six-game road trip. So five five home games coming up, breathing down the uh, the Bucks' neck for a second in the East. And it's just a special time. It's a special time. And – the team is built in a way where the regular season success they're having, um, obviously it's a it's a big blow to lose Julius Randle for a month, but this team is winning with defense right now, like exceptional top of the league defense. And I think we can still have, I know we can still have that level of defense without Julius. And so far in two games without Julius, we've seen Dante DiVincenzo go for, I believe, 28 and 33, nine threes in the game where he had 33. So he's already stepping up. We've gotten big contributions from Precious Achua, blowing out teams without the whole front court. The whole front court, OG, Randall, and Mitch all out, and we're blowing teams out. And Hardenstein's even even been playing like limited minutes because he's coming back from a yeah. And Hardenstein's hobbled. We've gotten some good minutes from Jericho Sims. Just everybody stepping up. Josh Hart had the 10-10-10 triple double. Reminds me of uh, that's a Jason Kidd type of stat line. <laughs> Jersey days, 10-10-10. Dean, before we start recording, you mentioned a crazy stat about defensive, I, I don't know if it was rating or efficiency, yeah. but what, what was that again? Let me pull that up. So that's uh, the Knicks month to month improvement in points per game allowed from December to January is the biggest improvement in NBA history. They were letting up 124.8 points in December and they allowed 100.1 in January, 24.7 less points per game in the month of January since that OG Ananobi trade on December Holy 30th, shit. I believe that trade was made. It's just like OG has to be in the defensive player of the year discussion. I don't know if there's other worthy candidates. I know his odds have improved to like second or third best, 
but he that's like I remember when Tyson Chandler won defensive player of the year when he was on the Knicks and the reason was the year-to-year improvement so within one season what more could you ask for you can't ask for a bigger improvement than what we've seen with OG that's... It's really crazy, though. Also with OG, like you remember when we acquired him, a lot of other NBA fans were kind of making fun of the Knicks because you saw that, oh, Knicks winning the Eastern Conference, uh, Eastern Conference, um, you know, the 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 odds for didn't shift much after adding OG. But now you're seeing after a month, the odds have shifted. The Knicks are moving up those odds in terms of winning the Eastern Conference. So like that impact that you're talking about, it's it's clear as day. And it's not just an impact. Like obviously we're seeing the numbers, the stats back it up, the eye test backs it up, but it's just like seeing and seeing the feel of the team, like seeing how the team is around each other, feeling the aura of the team and everything. Like they just feel real locked in right now after this OG Ananobi trade. It feels like that starting lineup has like, you, you don't really want to like, ta- like tinker or mess around with that starting lineup too much. It, it looks so efficient and so great. Yeah, I mean, you're saying NBA fans were making fun of the Knicks. I mean, Knicks fans were clowning the Knicks for for this move that they made. You're looking at one of them. I clown the Knicks fan for trading R.J. Barrett and Emmanuel quickly for OG Ananobi and Precious. I understood the move, and I thought long-term it wouldn't work out. But, I mean, I'll, I'll be the first to admit that I was totally wrong. And to a point, um, to your point, I mean, OG has been absolutely killing it. And on, on another face of it you got you, you can think of it as addition by subtraction without rj barry and quickly playing on his team you know they're playing well within their own rights in toronto and credit to them but now you open the floor for the rest of this deep team that the front office has put together to be able to elevate their games and put in their minutes versus the inconsistency inconsistency in their minutes that they had prior to that we see deuce playing a lot more minutes and consistently he's, he's dropping buckets every game and playing hard-nosed defense quinn grimes has stepped up and you know he's a little on and off but you see divincenzo 30 points per game 30 points the last two games he's never done that in his first five years in his career and he did it the last two games where he dropped over 30 points so everybody is stepping up everyone is knowing their role and now they're all putting together and uh I mean, OG Ananobi is different, man. I mean, just just the size, he's he's huge. He's a big man. I mean, Dean, you saw you saw in person. How does how does OG look? Unfortunately, I couldn't see him because he was a late game scratch. But I mean, OG Ananobi live. I mean, yeah, he's very physically imposing, and he's just everywhere. He had six steals in that game. He was just an absolute menace in the passing lanes. Like you can't throw anything lazy at all around him. Um, if he has a chance to get there, he's going to get there, and. But you were, I'm glad you brought up Deuce stepping up since the trade. It's almost as if we got Deuce in the trade because he entered the rotation following the trade. It's so a nice way to put it. Yeah. The way, like, you know, we went from not having OG Ananobi and Deuce in the lineup to having OG Ananobi and Deuce in the lineup by virtue of that trade. So that's made losing quickly a lot more stomachable that we have Deuce ready to step up. And it looks like the front office and the coaching staff were so confident that he would that he got an extension before he even got into the rotation. It was on the eve. It was like the day before he was going to become a part of the regular rotation for the first time. They gave him that three-year extension. I think three years, 10 million or 9 million or 12 million. I don't know, but something yeah, very affordable. Yeah, 13, I want to say. Yeah, three, three for 13, still like an absolute steal for someone who's an, a guaranteed rotation level player, which I think he's shown that he is with the shooting and the defense. I want to say last I saw he was 47% from three and just yeah. looks good. Like he's in rhythm every time he's, he's for real. Yeah. I, I would still have some critique on him in terms of like, um, in terms of creation for others. Like you can see sometimes the offense gets frustrated, but 
I agree with you wholeheartedly. Like, what else could you ask for from a guy like Deuce? And on top of that, I feel like now you're seeing some trade value in Deuce. Not that I'm saying we should be jumping to trade Deuce, but before, like, Deuce McBride was not a common household name. This is, like, a name amongst either super NBA fans or just Nick fans. And now you're seeing uh, guys on the ringer and whatnot talk about Deuce, and Bri- Deuce McBride's impact and whatnot. So that that's good for the rest of the NBA because now when you want to go forth and make another trade like the Knicks do, you do have a piece in Deuce McBride that could be interesting. And to go further, I mean, I feel like, you know, we're really we're really stuck in the moment right now, seeing how well the Knicks are playing. And I don't blame anyone, but I, I want to like like zoom out a little bit and focus on how we can really come out and say that the Knicks have elite development on this coaching staff. Like if you're looking at the guard development that we have through Johnny Bryant, guys like RJ developing, playing much better and more efficiently as time went by under Johnny Bryant. Um, Emmanuel quickly going from just being a, a kid who could shoot and maybe has a little bit of a float game to becoming more of a complete guard that the rest of the NBA is keying in on. A guy like Deuce McBride being ready to step up when the moment is available. I feel like all credit goes to Johnny Bryan. And, you know, if you're talking about big man development, we're seeing it. Like, people used to call Kenny Payne the big man whisperer. It feels like Tibbs is taking on that role, getting guys like Precious Achua, who was considered a zero in this trade, as NBA rotation player as a, as a starter right now on this team. And, you know, I, I don't want to look too ahead to the future, but it looks like we might have found that answer for uh, Randall's backup in Precious if he continues to play to play the way he has been under Tibbs. So, you know, shout out to, to Leon Rose and everything he's done. And shout out to this coaching staff who a lot of us, like, you know, Mo was admitting er- earlier his, his qualms about the OG trade. I'll come out and say, like, Nickish does not have a good re- representation of Tom Thibodeau over the years. So uh, we've been giving him a lot more credit. I, I got to tip my hat off again to Tom Thibodeau because I'm not going to lie. A lot of times when I was looking at this coach, he felt so expendable that it was just like, oh, who cares about what Tibbs thinks? And I know a lot of people are frustrated that this front office is building around Tibbs, but, you know, men lie, women lie, numbers don't, and these numbers look good. I know there isn't a lot to work off of as a Knicks organization in terms of um, – there aren't a lot of better coaches before. We're looking at David Fisdale, Jeff Hornacek, uh, Derek Fisher. You know, a lot of these Kurt Rambis, like these are not good coaches behind him, but he's done a phenomenal job. Best coach since, uh, I mean, definitely I'd say he's better than Mike Woodson and and better than J- JVG, right? So that, that's what I got to say. I don't know about JVG, but yeah, Woodson, I'll, I'll give you that. I wouldn't, I wouldn't go so far as JVG. Not regular yet. Regular season wise. Let, let me see. Let me see a final. Wise? Let me see a finals appearance first, and then Play- and playoffs. Then we can I got say. you. Playoffs. I got you. But I will say, like, Tibbs is known for what he did in the playoffs, and like, look at what he did with the Bulls. Look at what he's doing with the Knicks. It's the same. It's the same formula in two different eras, and he's getting the results. He's getting the answers. He didn't take the. He didn't take the Bulls to the conference finals. I mean, he didn't take yeah, them to the he, finals. He underperformed. Yeah, I mean, he was going up against Miami LeBron, but um, I will also say the Bulls were better, JBJ better had Patrick Ewing and, you know, some of the greatest Knicks players of all time, so he did have a he, lot more He had a, He had a pass his prime Patrick Ewing, and that was an 8-seat team that he took to the finals. Fair. I don't even think... I don't, Again, this is this is like when we were kids, kids. So ah, uh, yeah, I will say my, my right. Patrick Ewing wasn't really even a factor. I don't, I, I don't even think that, he was um, a factor in that in that playoffs. I think it's important to like you know you brought up building around Tibbs. I think what we're seeing now at this point in the Tibbs tenure, you know, he was never bad, like flat out bad. There was stuff that we complained about, you know, so far. How long has he been with the Knicks? This is year four. Four. Shit. Yeah. yeah. 
So there's been good and there's been bad. There's been some ups and downs over those first three years. But where they are now, or I'd say like ever since halfway through last year, ever since the Josh Hart trade, really, they're so committed to building the right team for him. And if you're going to have Tibbs, you might as well have an absolute all-out Tibbs team. It's like, I'm, I don't follow football closely, but like I think you with certain offensive coordinators and certain head coaches, you want a certain type of quarterback, you want certain personnel. If Tibbs is going to be the coach, and we know the relationship that he has with Leon Rose and how entrenched he is in the organization, like we can probably bank on him being around even if he wasn't performing this well. If he's solidly in this role, I think we want to maximize it. I know we want to maximize it. And right now, it couldn't be more of a Tibbs team. Just top to bottom, this whole roster plays the way that he wants that just plays the way that plays the way that he wants to play. Like last year, the Knicks were much more successful on offense than they were on defense. And this year we have it written down here. The Knicks are, the Knicks are up to fifth in defensive rating after this crazy month and they're seventh in offense. So now we're at the point where the offense is still performing at a super high level, but now he's got that, the defensive personnel that he always wanted. And we're seeing the hallmarks of a Tibbs team. Like this team is a nightmare to play against. Yeah, I mean, Tibbs has always been a valid coach. I think our frustrations always lied with his lack of being flexible and not wanting to make the rotations or not wanting to make rotation changes and just overdoing it with the minutes for star players. But to his credit, was, this season, I don't Tibbs think any pretty hard last night with the in the blowout. He kept the starters in the whole way and like Jalen yeah, got I... in the eye and yeah, yeah it, it so, wasn't necessary. So when you've been you know married to the game, you got you got to make an, an error here and there. But he has it's it you can't really make that kind of complaint this season. I don't think there have been too many opportunities for you know the, the I, I would Knicks say post doubters post uh, Evan Fournier Cam Reddish benching he's been phenomenal even through the playoffs. Like yeah. um, I wouldn't say he's like the the you know prime example of revolutionary basketball, but like we're seeing it right now. The shot diet for the Knicks as a team. It, it looks pretty modern. Like it, it, you're seeing a lot of those three point shots, but it's still within the system of the players that we have. So as much as we want to like knock on tips for being a little bit old fashioned, it does feel like in his own tips way, he has caught up to the modern NBA in my opinion. Yeah. And like, I think the locker room leadership is at a different level. You look at that Hornets game with Steve Clifford got, ejected i don't know if you guys saw you see his, yeah, his own players laughing at it like that's thing, not yeah. that's not some shit that would fly on the on the knicks bench and like that they level come from of the same coaching tree too that's exactly. the craziest part like i don't exactly. know how he doesn't so like when you when you talk about the nova boys and like it's a it's a fraternity like yeah so what if it's a fraternity like we were complaining that people were complaining it was a it was a kentucky fraternity and then it was a um caa fraternity and now it's a nova for, like who, who gives a fuck like it doesn't matter if at the end of the day the players themselves are leaders and you have Thibodeau. like Thibodeau's not gonna take shit from anybody and that's why a lot of coaches and a lot of players actually like tibbs and working with him because he's not he's a no-nonsense coach and as a fan i'm with that i like that i mean with the villanova thing like how can you complain two of the we got four villanova guys we got rj diacono i think on the minimum you know he's not playing he's not really he's there for the vibes too. But yeah, he's there for vibes. He brings vibes. He brings good chemistry. Hasn't scored yet this season. I got to see him get one in garbage time. Looks like we'll have more chances because we've been blowing teams out. But two of those three Villanova guys, Jalen Brunson and Dante DiVincenzo, you could very well make the argument that if they made twice as much money, they would still be worth it. Like both of them are on such respective contracts. that It's not like we're overpaying to have these guys from a certain pool of players. Josh Hart makes maybe a little bit more than the value that he's provided this year, 
but like Jalen and Dante are on insane deals. I don't know the exact stat, but it's something like there's six players in the league who've taken a hundred threes or, or who've made a hundred threes shooting 40% or better. And two of the six are Jalen and Dante. Yeah. Yeah. And this is a league where like Steph Curry and Clay Thompson is still a backcourt. And like, we've got the best shooting backcourt in the league. Yeah. And they're both considered to be undersized. And we're seeing Dante DiVincenzo, um, play above his size in, in terms of blocking being shots off the backboard steals get one like, of these dunks to go down eventually like i just dante is a totally solid starting shooting guard like i you know i think we're we wanted to discuss whether the knicks like should make any more moves here and we talked about not wanting to break up the starting lineup yeah like dante solidifying himself as the starting shooting guard now every position is really it's spoken for um but where where do you guys stand on like trading for some bench help? I'd be curious to hear. I mean, if Dante is going to be a starter, then I think we definitely still need that help because if he if he's coming off the bench, he could be that leader, you know, coming off the bench from the second unit and dominate from that end. But I think I think we still might be one more move away. It doesn't have to. We don't have to go all chips in for that one player unless that player becomes available, like Mikael Bridges. I think I think I'm I'm still I think we still need another you know, facilitator on the, on the team just to take some pressure off of Brunson. I mean, all these players getting injured now, we, we, we can't really afford another injury. We already have Mitch and Randall out. Um, we just got Hartenstein back. There's no guarantees in this, in this, in this league. We need some level of, you know, backup for Brunson just to take some pressure off of him. Yeah. So even before we locked up Jordan Clarkson last night and, you know, made him look not great. Um, I wasn't high on that. Like I think everyone in this rotation, who isn't named Jalen Brunson or Julius Randle, like should we should stick to this theme of all of them being good on defense. Um, I don't think Clarkson really fits the mold. I don't I haven't seen enough of Brogdon in Portland to know really how he's defending this year, but I think he could probably fit into the I don't think he would damage the the bench defense too much. I think Brogdon would be a pretty nice pickup. Um, but you brought up Mikhail and I'm like with the way that this team is playing. I would, I know I just saw today that like the Nets are under no circumstances thinking about moving Mikhail Bridges. But if he were available for like the Fournier, Grimes, and however many picks the Nets want package, as long as it's not too excessive, I would feel extremely confident in that team. Like uh, Jalen Brunson. What's interesting there if we got Mikhail is that I think it might be a little clunky with Julius Randle. And like I hate to, I don't want to throw any dirt on Julius Randle's name at this point. He's been awesome. And obviously he's hurt right now. But imagine a lineup with all the Nova guys, um, not just because they're Nova guys, but the fit of Jalen Brunson, Dante DiVincenzo, Mikhail Bridges, OG Ananobi, and then the center rotation of Hartenstein and Mitchell Robinson later in the year. That is so formidable. It's insane. Like that, I could see that group having like a 04 Pistons or 05 Pistons, whatever year they want. I think 04. You yep. know that that's the that's the type of team design that could win without like a super duper star. Even though Jalen Brunson certainly played like a superstar. Yeah, it kind of gives you that that the Dirk Dirk Finals year vibes too, where like Jalen Brunson is like a, a definitely a superstar in his own right, but not that Jokic, Giannis, like not those not the immediate superstar that you think of when you, when you say that word. But um, I'm. I'm with you guys where I think the Knicks do need to make another move, but I just think that they're in a really particular place where you don't want to tinker with the starting lineup too much and you don't want to add a guy who requires the ball too much on on the in the, on the second unit because I, I like the way they're playing right now. So um that's why like before 
I'll say I was really against DeJounte Murray, and then I got convinced into DeJounte Murray, and now I'm very much off of DeJounte Murray because not because <laughs> not because of the criticism people have of him as a player, but more just the minutes that he demands if he came in. He would definitely have to be in the starting lineup. I really like Dante DiVincenzo in the starting lineup, playing along Jalen Brunson. You could really see the chemistry there. And um I was really high on Dante DiVincenzo before, and it really like because it felt like the Knicks really needed to add someone who could um just relieve some Jalen Brunson minutes, give him some opportunities to to bring up the ball and whatnot. And we're seeing Dante do that. And he's been phenomenal in that role. So I'd like to keep him there. Um, I like the idea of Brogdon. I like the idea of any guard that would cost us Evan Fournier and like a protected pick or like two protected picks that we don't give a shit about. Like that yeah. Dallas pick or, or and some other bullshit pick. Um, anything that costs too much, I'm not really with it because I want to do a star trade later on. But um. I like the idea of Brogdon. I feel like he's a little overrated. Like, I feel like people are expecting a lot more from him than what he could really give and provide. Maybe I'm wrong on that. I, I, I'll, like you, I don't know too much about Brogdon on the Blazers. And even if I did, I wouldn't consider that a huge sample size just because it's a shitty team. Like, I don't expect Brogdon to do well. Uh, I like a guy like Tyus Jones, I'll be honest. I like Tyus Jones when we were actually looking at Jalen Brunson when I thought – when I was still so traumatized from Nick's point guards, I was like, oh, if we don't land Jalen Brunson, we can start Tyus Jones at the point guard or TJ McConnell or something. I like the idea of those kinds of guys because they can run an offense and they don't really need to chuck too many shots and they can help facilitate and create for others, especially when we're seeing Tibbs use OG as the person he wants to showcase in those second units and second lineups. And we're seeing him much more comfortable in this lineups. I would want to see someone who could help OG get his his shot going in, in in those backup minutes instead of someone like DeJounte Murray or someone else like Jordan Clarkson, who is a lot more dribble, dribble, dribble and creating their own shot as opposed to helping others get their own. Yeah, quick aside while we're talking about point guards, I had this thought a while back. Can you imagine in any Knicks season aside from when we got Brunson? So like from the time in between Raymond Felton to Jalen Brunson, we're talking like an eight-year window where we got excited about every single point guard that ever the Knicks signed, no matter who it was. Torrey Murray, Langston Galloway. Trey you know, Burke. At like, one point, Trey I was Burke, like... <laughs> Emmanuel Moutier, Dennis Smith Jr. Frank Nilekina. Frank Nilekina. Oh, Think God. about that yeah. long... That was such a long era. <laughs> Jared Jack. Where, yeah, Jared Jack. <laughs> if we got Malachi Flynn mid-season in any of those seasons, we would be... Talking ourselves, convincing ourselves. It's <laughs> yes, the ultimate project. The point guard of the We're future. Turn into, oh my god! Yeah, that's like that's really the the lack of talent we had. And no shot to Malachi Flynn. I think he can play, and he has been in a, in a rotation of a decent team before. Nah, but he would have gotten all star votes in, in other years. Like we would have hyped up Malachi Flynn so much. And I just want to like put you know bring some more attention and appreciation to what Jalen Brunson's doing that would just we don't have to think about that anymore like you're going to go far forget Malachi we'd be talking about Deuce as if he was you know God's God's gift to this world even though he's a great player but you know real quick you mentioned Raymond Felton shout out to Raymond Felton man he listen he was never a top 10 point guard in those years but there were some years where he played like a top ten point guard, and I, I love done the math. Like he, I look back at the at the league, the rosters back when Felton was good for us. He was like 
14, 15th best point guard in the league. And hey, that guy was top a half. Listen, and we we abandoned him like three different times. Like we traded him to the Nuggets. We signed job, him again. Like <laughs> and what I um when we talk about getting Brogdon, one reason why I would be optimistic about Brogdon is just because I have such fond memories of the Raymond Felton, Jason Kidd, Pablo Prigioni trio of point guards that like I, you know, even a guy, a guy who's not very athletic, but plays the game really smart, like Brogdon. Um, I remember what that was yeah. like for, for that one brief flash in the pan year where we made those backcourts work. Very fascinating team in 2013. Yeah. That was the last time I liked playing 2K. 2K13, I was Raymond Felton three. I had that jumper like that was automatic for me. I, I could never get mellow shot. Perfectly down. No, Felton jumper. Yeah. I- I'm there. J.R. Smith had the best uh, release, bro. I know he was the sixth man, but putting him in the starting lineup instead of Shump when you want to score a little bit more. Oh, man. Uh, you know who was low key like fire though in 2K? Jared Bayless. You guys remember him from the Grizzlies? Yeah. Yeah. We never he, had they... Jared Bayless, did we? No no. no, no. But they had him out like 100 speed. So anytime you played and you just happen to have the Grizzlies, you just you just take out Mike Conley and put in Jared Bayless. Let that dude. Nah, that Grizzlies team I remember with Zebo and stuff. It was like an underrated two K team to play with. Like, yo, I'm different. I'm gonna play with. I'm gonna play with the Grizzlies. What you know about the Grizzlies? And then start giving people buckets for fucking Terry Payless and shit. Also, while we're talking about Knicks point guards, did you guys see what uh, Alfred Payton said about David Fisdale? <laughs> <laughs> the Martin Luther King speech. <laughs> I'm gonna read the transcript. So he goes, "Funniest shit though. We come into practice and we go in the film room." And this dude put on like a Martin Luther King speech or something like that. Before that, assistant coach comes on talking about thieves in the temple. Like, what are you talking about? We got a game tomorrow. What coverage are we in? Like, fuck is you talking about? <laughs> Yo, say what you want about Upper Payton, man. He kept that shit real. Remember when he pushed fucking Jay Crowder? Mm-hmm. Oh, my court. Alfred Payton was a hard-nosed uh, player, but... He was not good. I, that was he's my least favorite Nick ever. I'm glad you threw him in there. I almost forgot about Peyton there with yeah, that, with that list you made. <laughs> my my least favorite Knicks ever, very specific. Um, in Julius Randle's first year, like in in the last David Fisdale year, Bobby Portis and Alfred Payton. And I know people love Bobby Portis. There were a lot of Knicks fans that liked him, even though we sucked at the time. He did not even attempt to play a lick of defense yeah. on the Knicks. No, like, or any sort of team. It was no and sort of like Mr. team basketball. On the Bucks. But if you just watch Bobby Portis on the court, he was not doing anything. Uh, he, he never played team yeah. basketball. He was very much all about himself and all for himself. Like, and him his, and, one, his one good game was that revenge game against Chicago where the, the crowd started chanting his name, and that was, that was it. was something like the second game of the year, right? <laughs> and he had the crazy eyes, you know, everything mm-hmm. about that was like a vibe. But yeah, like for me, man, likable, but he just didn't deliver. For me, worse Nick in my experience, Andrea Bargnani, man. I hated that Oof. man. It felt like it felt like a stark, like it was like, oh shit, we we're not really great. And then we traded for Andrea Bargnani. It was like, fuck, we really suck. Like this, no, this no, that was and a, like, that was a as much season. as Bargnani was awful, it was also like it was just a reminder that the team kind of lucked into how good they were the year before with Carmelo playing at the four because Amari was hurt. Yeah. Because the next year, after all that 54 wins with that team going to the second round of the playoffs, should have gone to the conference finals. All the success that team had, they were like, we got to get bigger. And we need Andrea Bargnani next to Carmelo. Like, how is that going to be enough defense at the three and four? Dog, and we gave just... out, we gave an unprotected first round pick for that. And well, I, I swear it's a hurdle. I, yeah, and I swear that season was the season where we got hit with the most buzzer-beating 
like game winners against us. I swear to God that happened. That there's a Dirk one in there. There's a Trey Burke one in there. I remember that shit. There's so many times me as a high school kid was throwing shit around because the games always ended that where we lost at the last moment. Or Bargiani shooting that last three pointer when we were up one point. Yeah, that was when Clyde said, what is he doing, folks? That was my favorite Clyde quote. It's so frustrating because yeah. I feel like that was also the year that I started, like, like really understanding basketball. And it was like, yeah, I'm finally ready. Like, I'm finally un- – I understand how, like, plays work. And I understand, like, a little bit more than just ball going in the in the hoop. And then it's like, for what? <laughs> for what? Uh, I remember Langston Galloway was, like, my favorite player at a point. That's how the, bad that is. The Knicks can't say it enough. Like, on this eight-game winning streak, historically good defense right now. Like I started watching the Knicks during the like while the crowd was chanting fire Isaiah. So what was that? Oh six. Mm-hmm. Like I saw a couple 500 ish teams with Dan Tony. Then the 2012, 2013 great year. That was the only decent to good basketball that we watched or that I saw in my whole time as a fan. Cause I missed the Van Gundy era. I was too young. Uh, I'm just, I, I'm so appreciative of this era I was so wrong about Tibbs and and Leon Rose. I was a big Leon Rose hater at first because he brought in Tibbs and uh, just the way things were looking at the time. But yeah, you, it's I think it's fair to say that top to bottom, any any player on this team is better than at least a full roster from a couple of those years in the last seven to eight years. Top to bottom, Wh- whoever you call the worst player on the team, whether it's Precious or whoever, I'm not trying to throw straight anybody, but they're they're probably better than almost that entire roster from that 2015 season or that 20, I don't know, 18 season. Ooh. Yeah, yeah like, I mean, most of those guys were NBA rotation players outside of the New York Knicks roster, so it's yeah. not saying much, but yeah, very true facts. Yeah, the Knicks just can't miss right now. Like, even with the injuries and Precious Achua stepping up, like, they've put him in the position to succeed and be a plus positive player. Like, everyone in the rotation right now, it seems like, is put in a good position. And it really shows. Like, every unit, it feels like every unit the Knicks put out there just builds the lead. We've been watching this for, like, we were starting to get used to it, like, three weeks straight of just not letting up for a second and just lead building and growing and growing and growing. No blown leads. Like remember when Tibbs, remember when the Knicks were blowing 20 point leads at like an all time pace a couple of years ago. That Luca game changed Tibbs everything. Never pulls the starters. Two years ago year. against the Nets, man. Like we, we blew like, Oh my God. Like Cam Thomas was lighting us up. Like, and it's so crazy that like, you come full circle. We're watching that Nets game the other night and the Nets, the Knicks are down all game against the Nets. And then, I'm watching it with one of my friends who's a Nets fan, and I'm, I don't know, like, I'm just like, I don't know, I feel like we're going to pull this through. And then, you you know, lo and behold, the last, like, three minutes, we just come through with that barrage and that defensive play. Like, that's got to be the play of the year for the Knicks when OG gets that defensive stop, Hart gets the defensive stop, grabs the rebound, pushes it out, and you get that dunk and flex from Julius Randle. Like, it's nice to to finally come full circle with all these guys where, like, you know, we had the the Randall booing, thumbing, de- thumbsing down the player, uh, the the fans, the like you know two years ago, and now it's, it feels like the city's ready to embrace this team. So I'm I'm really excited to be a Knicks fan through this. And we did it without selling our entire collection of draft picks, like, and and the team's relatively young. I mean, when we were good in 2013, that was the oldest roster at least at that time in NBA history. Yep. We had Kurt Thomas, Marcus Camby. Prigioni, Jason Kidd, Rashid Wallace, 
like <laughs> Kenyon Martin, like half the team was 38 and older. Yeah. Type shit. And uh, now it's like all guys that could be here for a while and will, you know, will and should be here for a while. Yeah. So, everyone's in their prime right now. So all the picks and some additional picks. Like, so just... some hard, hard hitting questions. I got two of them. One Randall. I don't, I don't know his contract detail. I think it ends next year. Right. I want to say yes. I want to guys, say... you, would you guys resign them if you're Leon Rose? Cause that's that's probably his last opportunity to get a significant contract. I would hope that the Knicks would be able to sign him on a on a reasonable deal. Would you pay him? He more has than every whatever? right to say like I've made him? all NBA twice. Give me forty five million a year. Would you pay him more? Um, so than that's than actually going to be now? a tough negotiation. Yeah. What was that? Would you pay him more than what he's getting now? I mean, since since his last contract, yeah. potentially three flat, time. Right? Yeah, since since last time, potentially three time All Star, three time All NBA since his extension. Or maybe two time. I think I think he got his extension after the first All Star game. I would want to give him like a two year contract, but I think he'll obviously push for more. I don't. I don't think I that'd would be pay fair. Him quite a lot for two years. Yeah. Two I years. Think, I think. I think we'll figure it out. Like I think. I think. Uh, like it's been clear from day one that the Knicks are all in on Randall. Um, we remember that meeting that Randall talked about that they had before this uh, regime took over and they told Randall that they were all in on him. And through this entire process, they have been loyal to only Randall. Like even Tibbs at a point, there were rumors that, Hey, we might get you out this door, but like RJ Barrett, they had rumors with everyone, but it seems like Jalen Brunson and Julius Randall, the two guys that they, they've stuck their necks out for. And I think Julius understands how cutthroat this business is and understands that like, I mean, I'm hoping, you know, there's no guarantee in this world, but I'm hoping he he works with our team and understands that Jalen Brunson is going to get a max contract next time he comes around and that money has to come from somewhere. So I would ideally want to keep him on a similar contract, hopefully a little less, but I understand that that's not the real world. I just hope that the, the Knicks can figure out a way to to keep this, this roster because um, for all the flack and shit that Julius Randle gets, I've always said it, no matter how, how hurt I was by the playoffs, his his impact on the regular season is is immeasurable. Like what he has done for the Knicks over the last four seasons during the regular season is immeasurable. So I I, I don't I, I would hope we are able to retain him. Yeah, I mean culture changer, right? I mean once he brought once he came in, he he shifted the direction that the Knicks were headed to, in different ways. I mean obviously there's a lot of context behind that. A lot of ups other, and downs, but yeah. the The other question is. You know, I, I don't want to get too ahead, um, but is Knicks being title contenders too far-fetched? I don't think so right now because imagine like this. I mean, this might be a cop-out, but like the Celtics have this really, really strong top six. And then they're, they got guys who contribute after that, but um, they're not super deep. Top to bottom. Imagine if Jason Tatum or Jalen Brown has a sprained ankle in the conference finals. Like the Knicks are the second seed. They don't have to play the Celtics till the conference finals. Like the Knicks, I think, could beat the Celtics in a seven game series if the Celtics are even like minorly nicked up. Like I think that's how good the Knicks have been. So I, yeah, I think the Knicks could, I think anything could happen, especially if there's one more move to be made. I think the Knicks need a little bit more offensively. Um, to be a contender this year. I don't think it's imperative to try to be a contender this year, but I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility that if they're healthy, you know, we haven't even seen this team with Mitch yet. It's a good roster. 
you, you literally took the words out of my mouth. Like, it's really hard for me to say it. It's not like until Mitch comes back because we don't know what this lineup looks like without him, but with him. But I'll say, like, I agree with you where I'm not going to come out and say that they're contenders, but I'll say that they're frisky contenders where, like, something shakes their way. Um, They go on a really strong run. I, it's like a why not type of situation. Like why why can't they be a contender? But I won't flat out say it because I still because I still do feel like they're another piece away from being a full. And I don't mean like a big splash, big piece away. I mean like another small piece away from being like a true contender. Because I think there isn't another content contender that's as deep one through eight nine whatever the rotation is. Yeah, I yeah. think people have been considering the Sixers to be like lower end contenders. I don't see how you can argue that the Sixers are definitively more dangerous than the Knicks. Yeah. I don't yeah. I don't know that the Sixers are better. I think it's just because Embiid has the hardware of an yeah, MVP. But, but Embiid, Embiid has struggled a little bit in the playoffs compared yeah. to how yeah. ridiculous he is in the regular season. And yeah. like Jalen Brunson has showed that he could average 31 a game for a series in the playoffs. So we have our proven playoff guy, and we have Julius Randle as the total opposite end of the spectrum, but if he finally can just be 85% of himself in the playoffs that he is in the regular season, sky's the limit. Hmm. I I don't think we're there yet. I think we're Eastern Conference Finals bound. I don't think we're there yet, and I, I was thinking a little bit about this, and I don't know if, I don't know how you guys feel about it, but the way I see Brunson going – Low-key, I kind of see him as like a 2013-14 Steph Curry. And I don't know if you guys remember how Steph Curry was then. He was, he got the hype. He was an all-star starter snub or all-star snub entirely. And he just lit everybody up after that. And that was a Mark Jackson Warriors team. And the next year, they pretty much had the same roster, but there was one tinker that was made with Draymond Green being a starter. Clay Thompson stepped up and Steph Curry went MVP mode. I think Brunson has the capability of getting to that MVP mode. We need... We need Randall to step up, kind of clay level way, for as being a as a as to be a one B for the playoffs. And I think we kind of have similar roles and similar plays. You got you got Andrew Boga, you got Mitchell Robinson, you got Harrison Barnes, you got OG Anunoby. You know, I don't know who the Andre Godala could be, but similar kind of roles that could be played. I think we're just one tinker away. It doesn't mean it has to be a big you know big move that needs to be made, but we're one we're one move away. From being a finals kind Our of Our doll is definitely Josh Hart. Yeah. Actually, yeah. Iguodala, but yeah. Like that's the role. That's that's a good one. Yeah, man. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I guess like now that you guys mentioned it, like I guess my my pressing question would be like like how how strongly do you feel like how do you feel about if I said the words Jalen Brunson MVP? Like in, in all seriousness, not on someone, oh yeah, Julius Randle MVP, like it feels like this could be a serious conversation. Like, how, how do you guys think that there's a chance this year that he could win an MVP? I I don't think so. But the fact that you can even talk about it is a massive, massive win because he's paid like just an average point guard salary. Um, but I still think that the overall, I know Embiid's probably not going to play enough games now. But like Shea Gilders Alexander is averaging thirty-one six and six, leading the league in steals. Um, in a top seed, Jokic obviously Jokic is always averaging something disgusting. So I think Brunson might like sneak into the conversation, but I don't. I don't think that it's really yeah possible that he could if, win it this year. If they're top two seed, I think Brunson might get a vote, like the way Melo got a vote, <laughs> you know, ten years ago. But I think All NBA, at least second team, definitely he's going to get votes for that. 
Um, but I think his trajectory and the way he's been, he's been playing like one of the best players in the world easily. Just he's dominating every team that they come across. And he has the most quiet 29 points last night, right? Against, against the jazz. He's, he's just on another echelon right now. And I think next year he could be an MVP caliber player. As long as everyone else also elevates their game, that's a title contender team. Yeah, I fully agree with you guys. It's like the thought of like if we're like a top two seed in the East, it's like kind of like why not? Because just because of like Knicks bias in terms of like obviously doing it on a Knicks team as opposed to another team, you always just get more credit and more votes. But um, I- I'm with you more. Like I don't think it's it's like fully like I don't think he's there yet. I think like the numbers are getting close and I think some narrative would help him. And maybe you're right. It could be that Steph Curry type of trajectory where he gets snubbed a lot and gets a few of those votes this year. And then next year just, just lights the world on fire. Because one thing I'll say about Brunson, when we first had this conversation, Mo, uh, when we first signed him, we were just like, Hey, we like this kid. Like, you know, everything about him is good, but where's the pull-up shooting? Where's the rest of the playmaking? Where's this? He's answered all those questions, I'd say even like three, four, five-fold. Because we're seeing his playmaking like ability jump to another level now that he's a, basically the sole playmaker. Julius Randle is more just making a few passes out, which he seems to be more comfortable with. And his his shooting has been impeccable. Like, talk about a three-level scorer. He could score at every, like, every type of three. Every Like, he's so comfortable. Where before I thought it was just like, the catch and shoot that he was comfortable with, but now we're seeing the pull-ups. I said step back, he could get a little better, but you don't even need to step back. The pull-up is, is is the most important three right now. And it seems like he's mastered that. So shout out to shout out to the point guard, Jalen Brunson, your starting, your New York Knicks starting point guard. <laughs> it never gets old. <laughs> All right. Um any final points you guys want to make? I mean, who who we got next? Who we playing uh, next? I can't remember. I'll check real quick. It don't matter. Everybody's locked down. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if you guys ever seen that clip. I'm a big wrestling fan, but I don't know if you guys ever seen that clip with the Usos and when they got the tag team titles, they just start naming every team that they beat. And with each one, they're like, locked down. This guy, locked down. <laughs> this guy, locked down. That's us right now. Miami Heat, locked down. Denver Nuggets, locked down. Utah Jazz, locked down. Name them. Everyone that comes up falls to the Knicks right now. We got the Pacers tomorrow. That's going to be a fun one. Oh, OB revenge game? we'll see we'll see we got the pacers then we got the lakers saturday night and then um the grizzlies tuesday i mean i guess um you know before our next episode we could just talk real quick about um the pacers lakers game as well I, can i just call the prediction for all of us two dubs man two and oh Easy. fuck that not, i don't even watch your guys <laughs> opinion. we're going two and oh um if we don't have og for either i would love to have og against lebron and ad oh sure. that's gonna be nice, important nice. Um, also, to guard Siakam would be nice, but I think Precious can give Siakam a hard time. They know each other. They know each other. You know, we you know that the Pacers like if if, if you're locked in offensively, you could put up one thirty five, one forty on these Pacers. So um, I'm looking for like a big Dante and big Jalen Brunson games. And yeah, I definitely feel a win against the Pacers. But if we don't have OG, I think the Lakers will be tough, even though yeah. they're. Hopefully we have OG because it was just elbow inflammation, I believe. So, like, it feels like a little bit more precautionary more than anything because we're playing the Hornets and the Jazz, like, on on, on back-to-back. So, I don't really know if Tibbs is physically capable of giving people days off, but it feels like that's what it was. But let's see. You you said elbow inflammation. You know, the funniest thing I heard was when OG got traded, I was listening to other, you know, Toronto guys and talking about OG and 
his his injury history was something that was brought up and they're like yo he has the stupidest injuries they could think of like he'll get poked in the eye and he's out like four games after that or like he got he got like i think he had like flood in his house or some shit related to that or the stupidest like funny, but... arbitrary reasons to be out but like thankfully none no. of them were like long-term sustaining or long at least you know, it's not like deandre Ayton. you didn't hear about him man didn't want to get out the house because of the snow <laughs> like, come on man ice sheets yeah i'm so curious i wish i could have been there and seen what you're you're like That's a million like you make i'm sure a helicopter could have came in and taken your like, you know not to make any helicopters in basketball but hey. um someone could have you could have gotten there you could have found a way deandre Ayton. so as long as og's not pulling shit like that but i guess this is our first taste of the OG injury train. You know, we're going to see how it goes. I'm and, you know, and great news for Randall. He's only out, you know, we don't know how long yet, but it's not months. It's weeks. For Ian Begley, Randall, which I, I, we dodged like, a bullet. I'm not even joking. Like I think the next regular season game against the heat, Randall should just sit. Like this is frustrating. Like I think it's like, like every time, a blessing. Like, in, you know, as long as he can come back with full mobility in the shoulder, um, the fact that he gets to rest his legs for a month, I think, might be very beneficial. For and him and, for and it's not that it's it's further out from the playoffs than the last injury that he had against mm. the Heat, which was his, super his frustrating. Lower body is healthy, and now it's going to be rested. So I'm yeah. pretty sure it's his right shoulder, shoulder, right? It's not it's not his shooting shoulder. I'm pretty sure it's, I think it's, it's his right shoulder. Dominant. Yeah, it's so that helps. Yeah. All right. I mean the the Twitter doctors seem pretty pretty uh, optimistic. So then we good. Then we good. If they if they're if they're good, we good. That's all that matters. Twitter, they Twitter know. MD said yes. So. <laughs> what about Kunal? What does Kunal got to say? Well, we'll find out. Kunal, let us know. Uh, all right, we appreciate you guys checking out this episode of Nickish. Make sure you follow us on Instagram and Twitter at NickishNYC. Subscribe to the podcast on all podcasting platforms. Give us that five star review. Uh, it helps us with just the rankings that we have here. And check out our website, nick-ish.com. Cop yourself some Nickish gear. Uh, we got some sales coming up, so keep an eye out for that. Uh, the guys here here have their own promo codes. If you, if you want to use their promo code, get 10% off. Uh, Dean, what's your promo code? I'm not sure exactly. All right, Faiz, what is your promo <laughs> uh, It's my Instagram handle, W-H-U-T-T-H-E-F-A-I-Z. There you go. Dean, I'm pretty sure it's your full name, but I don't remember off the top of my head. All right, if you want to, if you want to give yeah, Dean the promo, no, just, don't just... use Dean's promo. Use mine, okay? He doesn't remember his. I remember mine. Use mine. <laughs> if you want to Dean's homies, just DM Nickish NYC, and we'll 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 remind you, or just or just hit up Dean. He'll I'm sure he'll figure it out soon. <laughs> until all right, until next time, take care, everyone. Peace. <laughs>